Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 476 of the JV Club with my boy of summer, Hector Navarro. If you are a member of a sort of general geekdom, you may already know Hector's wonderful, wonderful work. He is a friend of mine I met through Nickelodeon and The Legend of Korra many, many years ago. We have since collaborated on a number of different things, including having him as a return guest on the Braving the Elements podcast that I host with Dante as well as um, I had the opportunity to guest host with him on the Spongebob Binge Pants podcast, which was great fun. He is a terrific human being. I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. Whether you are familiar with him or not, you're going to love him as much as I do. Hope everybody's having a good summer, even though the world is heavy sigh. fun doing the LA Comic-Con. Uh, it's so funny because I don't think I've ever actually been to an LA Comic-Con, so <laughs> it feels funny to have done uh, an, appear- an appearance on uh-huh. the podcast uh-huh. without actually having done it. Yeah, it was super fun. It was like the highlight of, of my week, and I got to bring my buddy John onto it, and uh, he he's such an avatar, just so passionate about everything, and especially Cora, and yeah, it was awesome. And then the, that day, later that day, uh, we we're trying to bro- we're trying to book Jeremy Zuckerman, right? Yeah. And um, we got him, but then later that day, my producer for the podcast was like, "Also, oh, we got Brian and Mike tomorrow. Are you guys are you ah! free?" And we were like, "What yes! an amazing lineup!" <laughs> oh my god, that's great. <laughs> to start so you guys with recorded you and Dante, with them. Yeah. we did, and they were oh, that's great. fantastic. And they um, they like actually answered some of John and I's questions i mean we we told them too up front we're like we totally understand if you're like uh we have to plead the fifth on that one we can't yeah. really you know get into it yeah and um and we asked some questions about like what's the future of the storytelling gonna be like and and even the specifics of like what's the animation gonna look like like what oh, you know and they hey. revealed some stuff <gasps> and What'd they say well they said um <clears throat> well john had a great question about like you know, just going off of rumors online and sort of what what the fans have been speculating on, you know, what what kinds of animation styles could we expect? Because even from Avatar to Korra, there's yeah. so many there's stylistically it's very, very different because it fits sure. that story. But they were like they were like, we know people think we're going to do CG. We're not doing CG. It's going to be 2D animation and then going from there and looking at oh. technology and, and, and how it could enhance. They basically said as amazing as Arcane and Spider-Verse are, we're not chasing that look. Right. We didn't set up right. Avatar Studios to try to chase other amazing yeah. looks that all those artists spent so much time perfecting. We're yeah. doing our own thing. It, it was just awesome. And then they, oh so, God. and when we so talked. so smart. Yeah. <laughs> but when we talked to Jeremy, we're like, hey man, if you can't say, or if you don't know, we understand, but how close are we to getting more soundtrack releases yeah. from everybody you know from the powers that be and jeremy said he goes i think we're closer than ever it's looking great we asked the same question to brian and mike and brian straight up said yes it's happening and we were like oh my god we freaked out and he was like he goes well amazing because the last i heard i thought that it was like there was some really possibly complicated stuff going on yes and and brian kind of walked it back and he goes well listen him and mike were like we don't have a date but what we can say is 
that's one of the first things we mentioned when I forget he was he was name checking the the um the 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 person he's been talking to that kind of initiated all this I think at Nickelodeon uh huh and 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 Brian was saying you know they hit us up and they're like hey whatever else you guys want to do any other ideas and Brian was like soundtracks like immediately and and because at the leadership level they're actually into it they're like yeah that sounds doable all of that legal stuff is going to be able to get figured out is kind of what they were saying so it was like yeah so just a hell of a week janet a hell Hell of a week week. no (laughs) kidding that's awesome i love i mean the fact that you introduced john as an avatar fan was one of the funniest things (laughs) in my week just because like if you need to bring someone on because you feel like they're more of an avatar fan and have great questions that you're going to come up with that's shocking to me Mm -hmm. so i had to take it extremely seriously (laughs) when you said that i had to take it extremely seriously yeah (laughs) now this is an episode that i convinced myself had already happened because you and i have done so many podcasts together that i know a lot about your past wow (laughs) okay i mean in terms of like what you studied and like you know i feel like we've sort of danced around some of that stuff or you've dropped little breadcrumbs of like you know and then when i was in school and i was studying animation that like i really in my mind thought i mean I know this stuff, therefore, it, obviously, he did the JV club. <laughs> but then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I feel like there's a lot of missing memories that I would have had had that <laughs> actually taken place. So I'm excited. Speaking of hubs, this episode could be the hub of all things Hector and Janet. And now I will finally have like a, a fully complete picture instead of like some pieces that I'm now yeah. who know who knows what stories I'm telling myself about who knows what <laughs> worlds I'm building off of the things you have told you, me you know that I just bring up the iron giant all the time so <laughs> that had that. an impact on my young life yeah 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 I do know that I do know that <laughs> so t- let's let's look at where you were when you were a teenager okay put it in put it let's put it in a physical context physical where context. were you 18 where did you like go to high school for example grew up in born and raised in San Diego and uh that's California San Diego California and Thank specifically you. a city that's a that's its own city but I kind of consider it a suburb of the county of San Diego you know you know there's different cities in LA but it's all oh, LA yeah. yep um Chula Vista is where I grew up. Oh sure, yeah. And uh, it's like fifteen I feel minutes. Like I already knew this. God yeah, damn probably. It. This is, yeah. It's like it's, it's all very worked it's in together. Right there, close to the U.S. Mexico border. It's like fifteen minutes away. And I went to high school at a high school called East Lake High School, which is in East Lake, California, which is kind of like a community. It's still considered Chula Vista, but it was like further east, whereas Chula Vista proper was more closer to the pacific ocean or well mm-hmm. i don't know it's just it's kind of we're out in the mountains a little bit and it was more of like a hoity-toity wealthier uh neighborhood okay and my dad moved us there when because chula vista is like a city city it's very it's very similar to los angeles when you're just driving and you're like i don't know where the hell i am but it all kind of looks the same right that was chula vista that was my upbringing till i was about 10 years old we moved out to east lake and got a nice two-story house that they just built. We we're the first people to move into this development area. Oh. And um, and in the mountains was a thing called the Olympic Training Center, which is apparently where Olympic athletes would go and train. Okay. And eventually the whole mountainside was covered by 
these McMansions and just, you know, popping up everywhere. Um, So it was an interesting sheltered high school life. But me and my friends would still try to get into shenanigans and stuff. But it was mostly still safe. So that's Uh that's where I was as a teenager where, yes, our buddy who had a truck, we would drive around with him hot box in his truck and like smoke weed and you know we would go and and do paintball but I was awful at it and I didn't Uh like it and you know just where you're just like broke and you're bored and you feel like um you just want to get out of wherever your your community is and we did but it was still you know kind of normal and safe and 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 uh and fun and I had a relationship with my parents. My parents were married at the time. They are divorced now, but they divorced when I was in like college. Mm. So it was an interesting time where, and my sister, I am one of two children and I have a younger sister. She's four years younger than me. When she was in high school is when my parents split up. So I also feel like I got lucky in -hmm. that regard. Like I look back at my childhood and teenage years and I'm like, I had a pretty good time and it wasn't too, too traumatic and my sister went through our parents splitting up and yeah. I was already in college and kind of, you know, off and doing my own thing. And and um, but to, to give you the context, the way that I with me being the eldest child, the type of person that I am and the relationship that I have with my parents, I would tell them I would be able to tell them, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. We're doing a show. We're doing a thing. Then afterwards, I'm going to go to Denny's with them till like two in the morning. And this would be on a Tuesday night, uh-huh. on a school night. And yeah. they would be like, yeah, sure, you're fine. Yeah. Because of the trust and because, you know, and my sister hated that. She'd always be like, ah, oh, like they let you get away with anything. It's mm. probably true because I am a male and I, you know, just those those awful double standards. But at the same time, I'd always tell my sister, I'm like, yeah, but, but I also know how to like ask things of them and I know how right. to negotiate and I know how to, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> I was just kind of wired to do that. And I think probably because when I was even younger than that, I ended up becoming, my role in the family was a little bit of a mediator. My parents mm-hmm. were not fighting all the time or anything like that, but there would be times where if there was tension or whatever, or if like, and the first time my parents sat me down to be like, hey, we're splitting up. I was like 12 okay. and it really, oh, wow. okay. it, it really devastated me. So they, but then they did. But then they didn't. So it's a, it's a thing that, that happened. That is very interesting. It's, yes. Let's unpack that. Let's, let's yeah. get into it. <laughs> I can tell you're like, oh, that's my in. I want to talk about that. We'll do it. it. We can really unpack interesting. it. That's so, a really so interesting phenomenon. They, they, like I said, they were not like, uh, a yelly or like you know i think back to that like that bit on snl i think it was like amy poehler and i'm trying to remember who played her husband or boyfriend but like the sketch was the couple that should not be together were constantly fighting and constantly and you just spend time with them you're like oh this is the worst my parents were not that they were fine they were a normal couple and and a, a, a pretty normal relationship but there would be times where you know, whatever I could observe as a young kid, I'm like, oh, there's tension or it might not work out or whatever. So when I was around 12, they sat me down and they're like, hey, we're going to get a divorce. And it it devastated me. And I remember crying myself to sleep that night and just like your whole world has changed. Mm -hmm. And then I woke up the next morning and went into the kitchen and like they're making breakfast together. And I was kind of like, okay, is this what's happening kind of a thing? Yeah. And I don't, I'm not mad at them for that. I don't, I'm not like resentful of like, 
you know, you should have, you should have done it. They're in a relationship. They're going through stuff. And so they would eventually reconcile and get back together. And at one point too, like my mom lost one of her brothers and then, and this was at a time where like they were kind of separated, but we were still all living in the same house and there was no legal divorce or anything like that. But they were kind of like, I think our relationship's done. Then Mm -hmm. my mom lost a sibling and then like my father was there for her and then they reconciled. Mm -hmm. And so it would be this sort of like up and down. Mm -hmm. And what I like to say is that the first time it happened, like I said, devastated me. I'm 12 and I'm wrecked. Like the fourth time it happened, I was like, okay, you guys need to shit or get off the pot. Like, is this going to happen or not? And it and it it didn't like harden me, but I did sort of just become like aware of like, my parents are probably not going to be together forever. Sure. So by the time I graduated high school and moved on to college, and then they told me we're getting a divorce and it's a legal divorce, I was like, yep, yeah, cool, checks out. Like it didn't, right. you know, again... I'm sure that it had an impact on me when I was in my 20s. I'm sure that that all that all still mattered to me, but yeah. It did sort of, you know, prepare me a little bit for when that eventually happened. But just to go back to how I was with my parents when I was a teenager, it was great. They're all they're both super incredibly supportive. And in fact, my dad who both of my parents come from came from Mexico. My dad came to the US in the 70s when he moved up with his family and his dad, my grandfather, was already traveling back and forth from Mexico to the U.S. for work and was able to then move his family in the 1970s. And my dad was the only Mexican guy in his high school, like Mm. period. And it was Mm. mostly white high school. And um, my mom- And this still, when, where, moved them up to San Diego. Diego? Still San Diego. And yet he was the only- Yeah. In the 1970s. And and especially because it's probably because where my grandfather, I guess, moved his family was in a part of San Diego, Mount Carmel Mm -hmm. High School, like that area where it was more kind of North County, San Diego. Mm -hmm. So it was probably more predominantly white. And I feel like it still may be. Whereas when my parents married and then had me and settled, that was in Chula Vista, closer to the border and absolutely more of a Mexican population. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with kids who I'm like, you are also here because your parents are the same age as my parents. We're the, you know, we're children of immigrants. Like, yeah. and it was a, like a, like a big sort of Mexican population. I had Mexican friends. I had white friends. I had black friends. I had Filipino friends. I had, I, I knew Filipino kids who had the same last name as me mm-hmm. and that messed me up. And then until they were like, well, colonialism. And I was like, got it. Got it. Spanish people. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Cool. We're the same. We were both colonized yeah. by the, got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so it was it was pretty diverse and pretty um, mixed. And I remember the first time I went to, uh, or the first one of my first classes I had in college. I went to college in Irvine, California. At first, mm-hmm. at least, I didn't graduate from UC Irvine, but I went there for like a few semesters and then left because I, I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of my first classes, I we all introduced ourselves and I'm like, let's go around, let's say your name. And I said my name. I said, hi, my name is Hector. And I'll never forget this white woman my age this white this young white girl leaned over and she was like heather and i was like yeah my name is heather like obviously you've never heard this name like where where part of the country are you coming from young woman like i that's so <laughs> I, you know i had multiple hectors in my elementary classes <laughs> yeah. growing up like yeah so that was that was the interesting um definitely to that definitely explains kind of where i came from in california yeah. versus what other parts of california are like what other parts of the country are like so yeah yeah god that's really something 
I have so many thoughts. Um, <laughs> well, one of them is I'm interested in this idea of, and I'm this obviously I'm not trying to, I really am not trying to psychoanalyze anyone or anyone's it's family. It's therapy, but, Janet. I'll give it but, my uh, best shot. I'm open to it. I'm an open book. Please, please, please. Go for it. No, I'm just interested in the idea of like parents who, I, I, I don't know. And, and this is, and again, zero judgment. And my parents separated when I was very little and maintain a very like good relationship, mm-hmm. very communicative, very friendly relationship, despite the fact that like it was incredibly painful for both of them to split up. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I feel like I had the closest to my parents still living together, but being separated except for the giant difference, which is <laughs> I actually did have to go live with my mom and then they shared custody and then it was principally my dad. But I'm just I think it is really interesting to have parents who sort of include you in oh, yeah. a decision that they think they've probably made. Mm-hmm. It it just it just almost makes me wonder and maybe you've talked to them about this or like but the but is it I wonder if it's almost like for better or for worse like sort of releasing the steam from like a teapot like yeah. if we say it we're going to see what that actually would feel and look like for our family. And once we see that, that, we're like, you know what? It was different in our heads. Or, Mm, you know, or like, (laughs) this is not worth it. Because if it's not this, like, incredibly volatile relationship, those are the hardest to end, Because especially if you have a family. Yes. Because it's not not bad, quote unquote, bad enough, or it's not irreconcilable enough. Right. So my my mom, for example, was not in a situation where she's like, I have to get me and my kids out of here. Totally. And my and my or my dad was, you know, vice versa. But I I I was going to say blame, but I don't blame my credit that happening to my mom, because a little backstory in my mom is and First of all, I have great relationships with both of my parents to this day. I love my mom and I love my dad. My dad is incredibly supportive and he he's now remarried and and has a uh, wonderful wife and stepdaughter and and my dad and I the the thing that we bond on is we'll try to go see a movie once a week still to this day. Love and it. and my dad when I was younger was encouraging for me to like do acting and comedy and stuff. He, that was even though that usually parents especially Immigrant parents, especially, you know, that pressure of like, hey, I sacrificed to get into the United States. You have to do something that is like a sure thing. He was like, no, go for it. Go be a broke actor. Go, you know, go, go be, go do comedy because he thought I was good at it. And he was so encouraging to that. And my mom is an artist. She's a painter herself. And when I was younger, I would draw a lot more. And that was almost going to be my path. And but my, but to, to to credit to my mom, so my dad being who he is, he's also as great and as charismatic and as life of the party as my dad is. He is also a Mexican guy who grew up in Mexico, one of five children, the only son. He had four sisters. Hmm. And so he's the prince. And he came from a pretty traditional Mexican family. And it's it's and when you know where a person kind of comes from, you can understand obviously how they are and how they're wired. So like, I know what type of person my dad is, I believe, and how coming to the US and then having a life there changed him from maybe where he would have been if he had stayed in Mexico. And anyway, my dad is kind of traditional, but still pretty open minded. And you know, when my sister came out as being gay and bisexual, it was, I think my sister had thought that my dad was going to be more 
hmm. weirded out by it, but he was more supportive than my mom in a way. My mom, obviously, oh. my mom is is incredibly supportive now to this day. But my mom was the one that was kind of like, okay, this is this is this could be really difficult. But my dad was like, awesome, great. Like anyway, oh. my my mom uh, is a radical, radical feminist considering where my mom came from. And I know I just said that my mom was was scared for my sister coming out, but 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 it's 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 just a comparison I like to make to in the moment, you know, with my dad and those expectations of mothers sure. and fathers. But my mom is um, one of eleven children in oh, wow. her family, uh, one of a uh, of of a of a of a Mexican Catholic upbringing, and that my mom says this is how my mom would describe her mother which was just a revolving door of having kids. Just one sure. kid out, next kid gets pregnant, one kid mm. out, next kid. And from a young age, my mom saw that world and that life and how her parents would treat her siblings, her male siblings, her female siblings. And my mom was like, I have to get the F out of here. And from from a young age decided, I'm going to do this with my life. I'm going If I'm going to marry, it's going to be because I want to. If I'm going to have children, it's going to be because I want to. Mm. These things that seem no-brainer basic right. were revolutionary to where my mom came from and the expectations placed on her and, and, and all of that stuff. So I think that growing up, my mom <laughs> in the 1990s, living in the United States, raising a family of two kids, um, decided on her, uh, through her life experience, was like, I'm going to be as open as I can with my kids. I'm going to try and be as much opposite as I can from her own mom, um, who is someone who like pits her kids against one another and has has a lot Mm. of like emotional manipulation and a lot of emotional, Mm -hmm. the, the expectations sometimes of Mexican mothers are like, hey, I brought you into this world you should be waiting on me hand and foot. You should be this right. this kind of um, um, just very like traditional uh, um, um, traditions, I guess, for for, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better word. And uh, and so my mom trying to do the opposite of that was the person who I think initiated of like, OK, if this is what we've decided, we have to sit down and tell our kids. Mm-hmm. OK, mm-hmm. if this is how I'm feeling, if this is what I'm going through. I mean, really, there would be times where my mom would be crying on the couch and either me or my sister would be like, mom, what's wrong? And she would say, oh, I'm honestly okay. I just f- needed to cry and I'm just kind of releasing some emotions. Hmm. And she would tell us, it's okay to cry sometimes. It's okay yeah. to, you know, um, to uh, don't keep things bottled up. Don't keep things in. And I'm sure a bunch of that stuff like rubbed off on my dad, um, you know, because he's he he can be a pretty open guy once I talk to him and and ask him about feelings and emotions and everything. So, so yeah, I think that all came stemmed from my mom. Um, yeah. And sometimes for better or for worse, they. I think my mom maybe told me about sex a little too early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> almost got me in trouble at school, but not all the way quite. And like you know, uh, <laughs> I remember when I was when I was taking sexual education classes in elementary school or middle school or whatever that my mom likes to tell the story that I would come home and I would just be like mom you already told me all this stuff like I'm not learning anything like I'd be Uh disappointed that I wasn't learning and my mom would be like yep good like very proud you know like (laughs) to try to be very progressive I gotta respect that I will take over informed uh 
from underinformed in terms yeah. of like since we maybe, can't decide yeah. as a nation who's responsible for what. I guess <laughs> maybe that's... again, maybe she maybe she overshared, but uh-huh. I'm still glad that she did because yeah. it. You know, the relationship I have with my mom is great. I always love to tell this story and I've told it multiple times. Maybe I told it even to you, Janet, but she gave me great (laughs) advice when I was a teenager. One of the pieces of advice she gave me was, hey, always keep track of your sperm. And that's great advice. You didn't tell me that. I would remember that. You wouldn't remember remember that? that. It's It's great advice. It was her lead into conversations about safe sex and, you know, protection and all this other kind of stuff. But even really just keep track of your sperms is like... That imprinted into my brain as like, okay, yeah, I have to be responsible with who, like with what I do and and who I decide to have sex with. And, you know, and um, that's, it's kind of a wild thing to have a Mexican mom say that to her son. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Biz, host of One Bad Mother. Whether you're a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I signed my stepson up for a camp that is actually in another state. I feel really stupid, and I don't think we're going to get the money back. And then he found out that the car manual is a book about cars, so now he's reading our car manual. We So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org, and yes, there will be swears. Do you have relationships with all of your aunts and uncles? I mean, that is a lot of folks. Uh, (laughs) No, I have, there is a lot, but I have some, and I have some, some relationships with some cousins, especially because we all grew up cousins especially with like there's so many of them there's you uh-huh. know but the cousins would kind of you know attach to one another and yeah and we keep in touch with social media but um uh just recently I, I i got to travel because my girlfriend because of her job she gets to travel and do conventions and stuff because she's a voice actor and um and i got to meet meet up with some cousins that i hadn't seen in a while and their kids in texas recently which is really great so um yeah i i wish i could say i have relationships with all 10 of my, you know, of my, or, or, or nine, I think still living aunts and uncles on my mom's side, but I don't. And, and part of that is because my mom was like, look, I'm getting out of here. Some of you siblings can come with me, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of a thing. If, if you also are, 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 are wanting to kind of get out of this cycle, but some of the siblings are in it. Some of the siblings stayed and they're very loyal to my grandma. So my mom's kind of like, "I, I can only do so much. And so, um, you know, she uh, so so I talked to some aunts and uncles, but not necessarily everybody. And I haven't talked to my grandma in years because anytime I, you know, uh, she has it, it, and it's very, very different because also just like a straight up language barrier. Like there's so many so much of that fa- of that side of my family, too, are still living in Mexico. And they don't really speak English. They're just, you know, there. And I don't really speak Spanish fluently. I understand most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um yeah, there's definitely a, a a piece of me that's like, hey, grandma, that's not cool. What you did and how you treated my some of my aunts and some of my uncles and how you're yeah. still treating some of them and how you treated my mom. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, side yeah. with, you know, I got to side with my mom. And <laughs> but, here she is. This, yeah. I mean, you can have sympathy for the fact yeah. that who is she? Like, oh, absolutely. I mean, her, how, how does she have an identity outside of being 
um, um, yeah. woman in a traditional culture where yeah. it is her responsibility <laughs> to deal with all these children. Janet, like, listen, the recent Disney oh, movies yeah, have yeah. definitely uh-huh, shown yeah. <laughs> me how that trauma is generational. I get it. That's totally right. get it. That's but, right. uh, That's right. but, you know, just families are always tough. And I think that especially with a family that big, it's like it, it did end up kind of becoming just my own four person family unit growing mm-hmm. up. My mom, my dad, my sister and me. And, you know, and only now as I've gotten older, have some of those relatives and especially those cousins been like, okay, now let's reconnect on social media and have little hubs and like, and you know, how are you doing? I just had a kid. Check check out this baby picture. And and every once in a while, us cousins will be like, so our family's crazy, right? Yeah, they're crazy. They're crazy. And, you know. I mean, um, I don't yeah. think that comes from like, because I, I do feel like in my, it wasn't until reaching my 30s that I started to have a more, just more of that awareness of totally. like, oh, these are people, you know, I've told this story, I'm sure before, but I really thought I was the black sheep of my, of my mom's side of the family because yeah. they're Mormon. Uh-huh. And I told myself this whole saga of how mm-hmm. I was such a bad kid and I wasn't Mormon and I was the the black sheep and I'm the oldest cousin and I didn't have a close relationship. I mean, I care about my cousins, but everybody was scattered, you know, mm-hmm. across the United States. You, you and thought you were the Bruno. I thought I was the Bruno. But turns out you're like, there's other Brunos oh in God, the family. It's a bunch of us, <laughs> like most of us. Yes. And it took a long time for us to kind of find each other in that way. And social media certainly yeah. helped and, you know, people having their own kids or having mm-hmm. parents in some kind of health crisis like obviously but mostly those are just the disney kind of movies of the past couple but years have really those disney you know movies the past couple years they really <laughs> kicked us into gear they really kicked us into it gear. started with inside out yep. we all started to get in touch oh, with our emotions our feelings. and oh, then especially for feelings. us mexicans when coco came out all coco. the mexicans were like oh, okay that's us we uh-huh. okay Oh, yes. Okay, gotcha. Well, now we yes. can talk about it. Let's talk about yes, it. Yes, <laughs> yes. Did you have, I, I say this is a kid who went to a predominantly um, Spanish speaking and, and, and Mexican and immigrant like school in mm-hmm. Arizona. Mm-hmm. Did you, how much, because I know that you're, when your parents came over, how much did they want to hold on to like Cinco de Mayo and Las Posadas and ah, stuff like that? Like did that question. come into play or was it more, and, and also the same thing with the high school in Chula Vista. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know how much of that, like Tucson is very um, like precious. And I mean that in a positive way about <laughs> Mexican traditions. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like San Antonio, I think is similar. Like there's a lot of kind of cultural integration that they've been very careful to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think why I express surprise, not because I'm the most naive person, although I might be that, that you had been, you know, we're going to this predominantly white school. Cause in my mind, I'm like, but Tucson's even more North of the border than San right. Diego. What, <laughs> how can that be? It's like, Oh wait, Janet, think about where orange County is. Yes. Think about the fact that, like yeah. there are communities in Orr County that are like I would never want my child to go with my to go to school with my gardener's son. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Like there's like that whole thing what? that's and going it, on in Orange real, County. That was honestly a real culture shock for me growing up in California because yeah. I because I remember you know that story of me going to college and saying my name and someone being like, "Did you mean Heather?" I'm like, "This is wild to me," yeah. um, because I. Because I'm like, the state is called California. Like, where do you think we are in? But really, yeah, learning like Orange County and, and mm-hmm. I mean, even here living in L.A. for the past 10 plus years, I'm like still blown away that I can go to um, like I, I, a few years ago, I remember going to like a um, 
some sort of like environmental march or something. I went there with my friends and I remember people pulling up like a dude pulled up, a white guy pulled up in a truck and was like yelling at us. And I'm like, you're in L.A. Like I like (laughs) just the anyway. But it's wild to answer your question. My parents were when I was a baby and a toddler speaking Spanish to me and I was like pretty fluent. Like I, I, I learned that language kind of at the same time as English and had them both. On my first day of kindergarten, I went up to somebody and went, hola. And they went, hi. And I was like, okay, well, I, I'm out. Sure. This is a, sure. a problem. I need to double down on English. Yeah. And so I kind of did. And so the, the Spanish kind of went away. And I think my parents were okay with that because they were like, you probably should assimilate and that's mm-hmm. good. But they would also speak Spanish to me and I would speak English back to them. But yeah. now I think that's very common. Very I think common. Spanish spoken yes. to the kid and, and English, English spoken back, back is, is like so is very very common. common. Yeah, yeah. And um and it's funny too because my dad coming here when he was in high school age, he really doesn't have an accent. But then just a few years later, my mom coming here in her early twenties, mm. she has an accent to this day. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. and um so in terms of the traditions and everything, I wish I I could. I could relate my experience to that, but here's what ended up happening. When I was five years old, with my mom absolutely leaving the Catholic church and that kind of upbringing of her youth, we're in San Diego and my mom's like, you know what, maybe I want to find religion. Maybe I do want to find something for my family, that sense of community, faith, all of that stuff. So she was kind of like religion shopping and she found one in a a Spanish-speaking church in San Diego called the Kingdom Hall. I was a Jehovah's Witness. I was a Jehovah's Witness and went there when I was five years old. And it was all awesome until my mom, a year or so later, and I had like made friends and my mom made friends and it was a sense of community because it was like also like a Spanish-speaking church, which is so interesting in San Diego. Um, A year or so later, my mom left the church and told me, she goes, yeah, it wasn't going to be a fit because as soon as I started to talk to my friends about, I think I want to, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. As soon as my mom was like, I think I want to get a job and help my husband and have like a two-income house, her friends in the church were like, oh no, you shouldn't. You should stay at home and be the mom. And my mom was like, okay, I'm I'm out. <laughs> don't, don't like that. Don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah. So when we left the church, the thing that my mom liked was they don't celebrate holidays. And my mom was like, I actually like that. I think that's good. They <laughs> emphasize family and spending time over commercial holiday crap and everything. So we did not celebrate holidays as part of my, as part of our like belief system, I guess, even mm-hmm. though she had like left the church, she, we still kind of observed that. Mm-hmm. And so from kindergarten through like sixth grade, it was, oh, Hector's a Jehovah's Witness. He can't participate in the holiday activities. Everybody else is doing a turkey hand. You have to just draw a snowman. Here is a different <laughs> activity sheet. And it's wow. so yeah. and it's so weird and uncool for a kid growing up in America to not be able to participate in that kind of stuff, even if it is like, well, they're all kind of like Christian holidays, I guess, yeah. it, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas and yeah. Fourth of July. Well, that's a national holiday, but like it's still it still is a bummer to tell a kid um, you you're not going to have a birthday party where people come over and bring you presents. Right. But we have when we get invited to a kid's party you're going over there and we're going to bring a present obviously that's etiquette that's good etiquette um so anyway yeah, we always had like there was always like only i always went to school with somebody who was jehovah's witness and yeah. i swear to you it was always only one person it, it's a, yep we, there, we're only allowed one, only per one person that's it. 
some other kid show up and I'd be like, nope, it's me. There's and he would be like, all right. One. And he, yeah. The kid would be and like, I guess I'm Jewish now. Yeah, you are. Good. I have to stay this. And, yeah. it, and it was also weird because like this is also, I think, representative of the evolution of my parents' parenting style, which was kindergarten, first grade, second grade. My mom would come to the school and she would be like, okay, talk to my teacher and be like, okay, because of our religious beliefs, my son's not going to participate in the Pledge of Allegiance, which yeah. now looking back, I'm kind of like, that's kind of badass and, and yeah. kind of progressive and cool. And But my teacher would be like, oh, okay. So then at the beginning of, of class, when they would be like, okay, all rise and all the kids would stand up, I would be sitting there <laughs> and all the kids would be looking over at me like, you're weird. Yeah. And I would just kind of be like, it feels so othered. And yeah. eventually as the time went on, when everyone said all rise, I would rise, but I just wouldn't put my hand over my heart. Yeah. And which people, by the way, know. I mean, there've got to be some kids who are like, ugh, screw it. I'm just going to do all this stuff. Let my, t-, you know, because I'm sure me. a lot of teachers that are like, me. I'm not yeah. going to say anything to the mom that we're not, that they're not, yeah. doing, you know, that they're yeah. not doing this, this and that. Exactly. But I always felt like we, I w- if, in terms of the many ways that young people other each other, yeah. my experience and and I, I cannot speak for, for example, my friend Jesse, who was Jehovah's Witness. But if I had to, I 100% know the people who were like othered in a very bullied way because mm-hmm. they were weird or because they were like right. whatever. But there was, I think there was so much sympathy. Yes, for it was like an Jeho- othering. That it was like, yes, it was oh no, are you sure you can't eat this yeah. cake? Instead yep. of like, I don't like you. You you believe in yeah. something different than I do. Like for some reason, it elicits because kids finally get to sucks. empathize where they're like, yeah. I wouldn't, I would, I, I love celebrating Hanukkah or whatever, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it did, <laughs> I think like it did cause me, yeah, it did cause me to be the type of person where I was like, no, it's fine. No, it's okay. Like I'm that guy. Mm, yep, yep. Even yep, if, yep, yep, yep. even if on the inside, I'm like, I'm sad and this is weird. I'm always like, no, no, no. Nope, it's totally okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I eventually, like my parents also gave less and less of a shit, really. And eventually, right. like I, they they didn't full on blow out, start celebrating Christmas. But they did, by the time I was like 11, 12 years old, I remember I woke up one Christmas morning and there was just like an unwrapped Nintendo 64 on my pillow. Because my parents were like, I think this is how you do it. They're like, here you go. Merry Christmas. Here, you know. And I was like, okay, we're doing this now. And then... um. That's just kind of how how it eventually, you know, it 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 morphed into that. But um but it's it's humbling and it's um I think it created a creativity in me. <laughs> well, that's kind of where I was going to go internal. with this too. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. I was going to go with this too and also and, uh, your appreciation also, of world building and yes, stuff. And like yes. I wanted to kind of get to that and sort of imagine like see if that some of that stuff yeah. like being a little bit more stripped back than it is for some kids if that sort of causes you to have like a more concentrated <laughs> attention and enthusiasm for I, yeah. those other worlds. I also want to answer this too, because I, I could tell the listeners probably have questions. No, I never went door to door. I never uh-huh. did that <laughs> aspect of it. Um, and it doesn't sound like it, it, considering that she left the actual church right. and was it, like, yeah, you like, listen, we're going to say we're Jehovah's Witnesses, yeah. but like, don't ask around because she, we don't go to church anymore. My mom is great because she was like, I don't like this organized religion aspect yeah. of it. And even years later, my mom would tell me, she's like, you know, I read the Bible a few times because she was like, I really just tried to wrap my head around it. And I think she even told me, she goes, my review, not that great. Like that that's the kind of person <laughs> yeah. my mom is. She was always trying to, even still, she's just constantly watching documentaries. She's always trying to learn. Like Dante talking about podcasts, yeah. where you're like making your own syllabus of, of just trying to, yeah. in, you know, information input. That's my mom. So I think I get that. But For I also, sure. as a kid... Every year when my birthday would start to come down the line, 
I would get sad because I'd be like, I'm not getting a birthday party with a bunch of presents. But my mom would be like, hey, we don't need to wait for your birthday to go and like ah, get you a, get you a toy. Smart. And she'd be like, let's smart, go get smart. let's go get you a toy. And so we'd go to uh, the toy store and I'd get one toy, one action figure. And then I remember like I would remember like a week or so later, I'd be like, mom, can we go get another toy? And she'd be like, I just got you a toy. You're fine. Uh-huh. Get, so so it's just a year of waiting. So I, I and it would it was the one toy versus that influx of like I, I invited 12 friends over and they brought me a, a thing or like, yeah. a, you know, opening presents on Christmas Day where my friends would be getting like a bunch of stuff. So I think yeah. I would hold on to the one toy that I would get and I played the hell out of that uh-huh. one thing. And, you know, and so, yeah, that's probably part of the reason I loved and we weren't really wealthy. I know that I was saying that we just like I was describing we moved to a more affluent neighborhood. But as I learned years later, my dad was really just putting that on for show. Like we probably mm. didn't have that kind of money. We didn't yeah. you know, we were just kind of barely scraping by. But I think my dad being a kind of traditional Mexican guy and coming from where he came from, you know, for better or for worse, status is very important to him and, the, you know, keeping up appearances and everything. So. So, yeah, we didn't have. We, I, I would say we were firmly middle class growing up, which is still more than enough. It was, I had more than enough toys. I had, you know, you're, Janet, you're looking at a background right now in the Zoom call where I have a bunch of toys and comic books and crap, but a yeah. bunch of this stuff is stuff that I've held on to since I was that age. This, this, yeah. this aspect of collecting and, and holding on to books and, and action figures and everything. But yeah, probably all that led into, oh, and I remember when I was in high school, me and my buddies, my, my group that I found is what helped me really get through those awkward years. But like we would do toy runs where we would, again, get into my buddy's truck. He was the first one that got a car. And, and in San Diego, because we were bored, but because we were nerdy, because we loved comic books and cartoon shows and superheroes and stuff, we'd be like, let's do it. Let's make a bunch of toy runs. And we would go to what we called TRU. That's Toys uh, R Us. Uh-huh. We'd hit up all the Targets, the Walmarts, you know, the specialty stores and I remember afternoons or weekends where it was just driving around with that freedom of like, that's how dorky we were. Once we got a car, what we did with it was we would just go (laughs) buy toys. That's not cool or rebellious or dangerous, but it's just like, yeah, we're look. they came out with a new wave of Marvel Legends. We got to find them or, you know, whatever it was. That's what we did. (laughs) (laughs) How did, how does dating fit into all of this? uh, Janet, I'm glad you asked. I... was bad at it. I was so bad at it that I was I thought it wasn't I thought it wasn't going to happen while I was in high school and I thought and I was like resigned with that fact. I was like fine with it. I'm like because of what even movies and television teaches us, I was like all right, I'm not going to blossom till college. That's how I'm going to go. Yeah. And that's fine. And I was very fortunate in that and I also entered school younger than everybody else. I was born in September. And when I was four years old, my parents entered, en- like enrolled me in kindergarten instead mm-hmm. of waiting a year mm-hmm. to make the next, you know, and then I would be kind of a year older than everybody. I would be like end of five years old going into six years old in kindergarten. Right. They opted for, you're going to, you're going to be four years old. And then at the end of kindergarten, you're t- you'll, t- you'll turn five. So I graduated yeah. high school at age 17. Yeah. And, same. um, and a lot of my friends were a little bit older than me. So when I was 16, I had not kissed a girl. I, I, I had crushes, obviously. And, and I think maybe in, even around 15, I had started to, I came pretty close. I remember this one 
it was really awkward and kind of tough. I remember this one girl my age uh, had a crush on me and I, and, and I didn't feel the same way. And I, but I, this was like the first time any girl had ever like said that or that her, you know, that her friends were like, Hey, she has a, she likes you. It's the first time that it ever happened. So I was really like, Oh, okay. I have to, you know, like generate some it. feelings. Yeah. I have to this. generate some feelings. And I felt so bad. And I remember like yeah. basically letting her down and just being like, I remember I had a call conversation with her. Like she brought me a rose one day in school and it was so sweet. But I remember, I think one of the reasons she, she, liked me or had a crush on me maybe not but i remember it was because we had a class together sitting across from each other this weird layout in a in a classroom yeah that's where, weird like the the middle opening of the of the class was open so that the teacher could i guess walk up and down oh, and like okay, we yep. had mm-hmm. desks facing each that's other weird. i guess but i had a crush on another girl and i guess i was looking up at her too often no. and the girl who liked me was sitting near her so maybe she thought I was looking at her. Oh, here's that's why you don't put the desks in that orientation. Yes. (laughs) Here's another great, great story that I love to tell that sums up who I was in high school. When I was 15 years old, the first Spider-Man movie was released in theaters, 2002. Janet, that was a big deal for me. That was it because Spider-Man was my guy since I was five and I had waited my whole life, 10 years, for for, for Hollywood to catch up and for this movie to come out. And I remember um, that uh, there's a great moment at the beginning of that movie where Tobey Maguire waves to Kirsten Dunst because she's waving to him, but she's not waving to him. She's waving to her friend that's walking up. It's this really awkward moment. And so not too long after that movie came out, I remember walking to school because I guess I lived close enough to walk that I was walking to school and... Uh, and uh, two girls were walking in front of me my age and it was it was friendly and they knew me and one of them saw me and was like oh hi Hector good morning Hector and then kind of turned back around as they kept walking and as I in the in the few moments that I had to respond as I was about to say oh hi so and so and like try to start a conversation as I opened my mouth the school bus that came by was like "Ah!" (laughs) and so I was like drowned out in this thing and I remember after that happened that I thought about the awkwardness of Tobey Maguire and I just went like, yeah, that's the old Parker luck. Like, that's me. Yep. Like, that's how yeah. I am with girls. And um, so I thought it, I thought I wasn't going to date. I thought it wasn't going to happen. And then Aww. at 16 years of age, I think maybe even tail end of 15, going into 16, but like junior and senior year of high school, the last mm. two years, I took a, I had a class, a newspaper class, and the girl that was sitting behind me uh, we started to like each other and it was wonderful. And I I sort of, you know, I came out of my shell a little bit. You know, I, I, I was not the jock in school and I was not the um, the uh, the rebellious bad boy. I just described how me and my friends would drive around to buy no. toys. <laughs> but but I am funny and I'm charismatic and, and we hit it off and I really liked her. And we ended up becoming boyfriend and girlfriend and dated for into years into college. She was my oh, high wow. school okay into college girlfriend. Yeah. And it was it 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 was wonderful and it felt very normal for me and I felt really lucky and like her family was great and you know it was um yeah it, it, it again just like how I found my group of male friends I felt lucky. And the other yeah. thing that me and my buddies ended up doing in high school was we did improv which which is rare but yeah. and it's also very dorky, 
but I'm happy that I did it because it ended up I being it. it ended up being the creative outlet. And I remember that we would the thing about improv is <laughs> it's the dorkiest thing in the world. And at the time, the representation of it was whose line is it anyway, which is right. hilarious, but it's very, very structured and very dorky. Yeah. But it's so great. And this was years before, for example, Nick Cannon's Wild and Out, which is right. a comp- which is also improv, but yeah. it's obviously more like whose line is it anyway was great, but it f- it's very how do I put this? It's, white. It's, it's very yeah, white. It's vanilla. It's, it's vanilla. vanilla. It you yeah. know it can be, but 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 that's also why performers on that show would stand out and and but anyway me and my friends most of us being mexican kids we did improv we connected with an improv theater in san diego to have they had like this they had like this improv high school level class thing you know this program which was fantastic but we would end up going and like touring to other high schools in san diego county that were involved in this thing which is awesome but every other high school we went to janet majority white kids and obviously majority white kid improvisers and they're all they were all lovely and really dorky but i i want to brag about me and my friends for a second we were we were funny and edgy and we were like legitimately we would be doing improv and i remember one time i did an impression of like usher and it's like nobody else doing high school improv was doing that kind of stuff. Sure. And so when me and my friends put on, first we're starting to put on shows at our high school, and this is such a great scam and I love this, charge $5 at the door for kids, for people to come and see us. Yeah. A lot of the high school cooler kids and seriously, and athletes and football players and jocks and everything would come. And I think that they even intended to kind of rag on us a little bit. But we won them over. Hmm. We legitimately, they thought that we were funny. They mm-hmm. thought that me and my friends were like, we were not burnouts necessarily. We weren't theater kids yeah. because we weren't necessarily, like we weren't doing plays that or whatever. That can be an it's important just, distinction. Yeah. Th- it is. And and no shade to theater kids. They were cooler than us. They were hooking up. We all know this. Like it, it, We were just like this weird little nerdy improv comedy group that I think we kind of were allowed to coexist in this high school social structure because the other more popular handsome attractive party kids would see us and go oh but you guys are funny like you're cool yeah Yeah. even if you're not in our social that's still currency it's a form of currency and it can be a form of safe currency because it doesn't threaten someone's machismo or it doesn't threaten like oh is this you know if you feel like we were no threat we were no threat (laughs) you're absolutely right no, seriously, Little do they know the board, that, that you board. were a threat because <laughs> eventually, if not in the moment, the funny oh, guys yeah. get I a remember, lot of action. It's true. And I remember one time I made friends with this great girl in my grade who was a part of that social group. And I remember over the course of a class that we had together that, she, that her and I became genuine friends. And I was even like letting her borrow comic books. And she was like, like she just was like like cool with me and i remember one time i let slip and i think this is before i started like dating my high school girlfriend and then we were in a relationship for the remainder of my high school life but i remember saying to my friend that i thought one of her friends in the social circle was like gorgeous like i had a crush on her and i think that she like relayed that to her and was like surprised but like like encouraging but i just did not see it i was just Uh like anyway (laughs) that's never gonna happen like i had that kind of attitude but this friend was like no like why why wouldn't you you know go ask her out or go and um yeah i it's but it was it was currency because of that uh 
yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what that was. But anyway, it 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 was the improv. It was my dorky friends, and then my. We're doing that that young. I think that's cool. It's very Canadian of you. Speaking of vanilla, (laughs) it's very Canadian. We were very Canadian. Very yeah yeah. It was it was awesome. So really lucky. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. You're in a theater. The lights go down. You're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she just stand up to her? Oh, God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If you've ever recognized yourself in a movie, then join me, Jordan Cruciola, for the podcast Feeling Seen. We've talked to author Susan Orlean on realizing her own marriage was falling apart after watching Adaptation, an adaptation of her own work, and comedian Hari Kondabolu on why Harold and Kumar was a depressingly important movie for Southeast Asians. So join me every Thursday for the Feeling Scene podcast here on Maximum Fun. I got to do this mash game with you. Okay. Uh, I'm excited about it. I am excited to hear some answers. We'll get into some pop culture answers, perhaps. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever played mash before, but in the end, you will you will have a uh, an alternate universe reality in which you have. There's a lot of wish, wish fulfillment that's going to be happening here in okay. just a second. Okay. Great. So let's start with. I feel like just tradition dictates that we should probably start with three characters from the Avatar verse that you would love to hang out with. Oh. Um, in some capacity. Man, Sokka jumped right at the top. Great. Wow. Sokka went to the top. Number two, I'm going to go Toph. Number three, I'm going to go Iroh. Great. Uncle Iroh. Great. Great. Yeah. Great yeah. and great. Yeah. Um, A lot of O's. A lot of O's <laughs> came came up in these names, I'm realizing as I'm looking at them. Um, okay. Next one, uh, let's do three... Let's do three Marvel movies that you can jump into and just be in that world. You're not reliving Oof. the plot, but you're just like with those characters in that space, like whatever that means to you. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Great. I'm going to go Spider-Man. This is so basic. Uh, <laughs> no such thing. I'll say Spider-Man Homecoming. Great. But I already said Spider-Verse, right? Damn. Yeah. Um. This is, a, this is a man who loves Spider-Man. I do. I do. Okay, take out Spider-Man Homecoming. We're leave, we're sticking okay. with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. We're sticking with Thor Ragnarok. I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> I think that would be my number one. I could not want to hang out with Taika Waititi's Rock Monster more. Mm-hmm. I, wanna, I just want to hang out and I want to hang out with like grumpy hulk (laughs) if i if i pick spider-verse the animated film thor ragnarok i think the third one i'd want to be is avengers endgame great is man oh man my favorite on so many levels and i love i could pick any third of that movie the first third which is sad the 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 middle third which is their best hits just traveling through their best hits and the last third which is the most incredible comic booky over the top like moment by after moment after moment fan service that i adore yes i yes i it just just to just to like i cannot describe the feeling of seeing spider-man 
wearing the Iron Spider suit designed by Tony Stark, holding onto the Infinity Gauntlet whilst being flown through the air on his web by Mjolnir. And then, like, Valkyrie shows up with her flying horse. Like, all of that in one movie is the most incredible happy thing for me it makes me so 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 happy yeah oh i love it i love it that makes me want to rewatch that movie again yet another time it's okay so good. all right next question let's do three foods that in this reality you know maybe you eat a lot of it and it makes you feel sick but you wish it didn't or it's something <laughs> you had that you got one time at one place and you've never been able to get something quite as delicious um, or just a food you love that you you know zero ramifications is what we're okay. talking about in this alternate universe so three? three foods we're handing you and there are zero ramifications to yourself or anyone else uh, when you have as much of them as you want first one is a california burrito great Second one is sushi. Specifically, I guess I'll pick a Philadelphia roll. Great. And the third one... tell people what a California burrito is for people who are like, what makes it a California burrito? A California burrito is, and I've only, I mean, not only, but I found that the best place is going to be San Diego County. And it's weird because California burritos in LA taste different because Mm. Mexican food in San Diego is more Baja California style. And Mexican food in... LA, it, it runs the gamut because it could also yep. be Mexico City style yeah. because of immigration patterns. So 100%. I love that about San Diego Mexican food is it's more Baja, it's more, you know, fish tacos, it's, it's yes, that. But indeed. the California burrito in the recipe is it's just a carne asada burrito, but they put French fries in it and it tastes the best in San Diego, um, even though other California burritos will have the same recipe it's yeah it's it, you know you it's weird it's difference. A, it's a, you can taste it it's about the ingredients it's about the i should learn the specific why of why i prefer yeah. the san diego style so anyway that's a california burrito great and then i would got pick our philly sushi, yeah, sushi. Got a philly sushi roll. and the third thing i'm probably just gonna go like cookies and cream oreo ice cream or something Ooh, some flavor like that great 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 like a like a cookie dough or cookies and cream or a cookie related ice cream yeah 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 okay Okay, great. All right. MASH always has a romantic component. This is all due respect to your wonderful girlfriend. I think you should have to imagine that perhaps <laughs> mm. you just your paths don't cross in this alternate universe. So great. three people could be characters from something, cartoons, uh, any era, any age of a famous person, whatever you want. Three people uh, that you're going to have Man. some romance or sexy times with. Oh, that's a great. Okay. The first person I think I had a crush on when I was a kid. Halle Berry in the Flintstones. Great. Made me... <laughs> her character's name was Sharon Stone. And, <laughs> and that of was... Of all the movies people have uh-huh. referenced having a crush on Halle Berry... That one comes up a lot. That one comes up a lot. Right? It was too sexy, Perfect. Janet. Great. They added the... You know, they added that sure. music anytime she was on screen. I remember seeing that as a, like a little boy and being like, I like girls? Like, that uh-huh. was the one. <laughs> I like girls. Um, Great. Secondly, I'm going to go fictional character if it's age appropriate because there's versions of this character that are like teenager, if we're talking teenager, is going to be MJ from Spider-Man or Mary Jane Watson or if I'm the same age as the Zendaya character, MJ, because that character is supposed to be under 18. Yeah. Even if Zendaya, the actor, is over 18. Yeah. She's still too young for me. Right. But just the MJ, the character, I love yeah. it's her. It's the spirit of that is going to and, be age appropriate, whatever and, it yes. is happening in the and I, alternate universe. I yeah. wanted to preface it by saying 
add the little thing of like, I grew to love that character while reading comic books when I was in high school and her and Peter Parker, Spider-Man were married and they were in their late twenties, you know, and, and they had a relationship the way it was written specifically by a writer named J. Michael Straczynski, where I was reading them and I was kind of like, this is couples goals for me because they were very healthy and very communicative and very supportive. And MJ is so funny and so she doesn't take any bullshit. And, you know, I love that character so much. And then my third one would be basic, just purely on a physical level, would be Lieutenant, no, it would be Sergeant Tamora Jane Calhoun from Wreck-It Ralph. Voiced by the incredible um, Jane Lynch, I believe, voices her, yes, right? Just yes. just the woman who said, it's make your mama's proud time. And Wreck-It Ralph would be like, I love my mama. I don't know why, Janet. I have such a weird crush on that character. You know what it is? She dated a short guy. That's what there it is. There you go. That's what it is. Is that she got with Fix-It Felix it. Jr. She got with Fix-It Felix it. Jr. And she's one dynamite gal. Yeah. I, I love it. I love a tall woman who will date a shorter guy. Yeah. I tried, Janet. Wasn't in the cards for me. My current girlfriend, my girlfriend is shorter than me by a little bit. Yeah. We're at the same height. But um, I, I, you know, it was tough. It's tough being raised on media where it's like, hey, height doesn't matter. If you're like yeah. a cool person, you can date anybody any height. And then years ago, I remember being single and just going on online dating and you know, the most common thing I'd see is women being like, don't date anybody under six foot. Sorry. And I'd be like, God, this sucks. This yeah, is harsh. No kidding. <laughs> I mean, I spent, I, this is a known fact, but I spent most of my life dating people who were uh, shorter than me. So um, it's shocking that I ended up with someone who's six, four shocking. It still shocks me sometimes. Um, and and okay. the other, the other funny thing too is short, very short women, petite women would always, I think it's such bullshit. And I think it's so really, funny. Really, really Would always be guys. like, They'd always be like, it's not me. It's so weird. The really super tall guys like me. And I'd be like, yeah. no, it's partly you. Like, you like whatever you're doing, you're putting that vibe out there. Like, you could also date yeah. a shorter guy, but no, yeah. no, no. It's no. Don't, you know. Don't pawn it off on them. Don't yeah. pawn it off on them. You've got the power. Uh, all right. Next one is let's do three creative people. Maybe, I, I mean, I sort of want to lean into this idea of, of writers, whether it's comic book writers sure. or screenwriters or uh, just a writer of some kind that you collaborate on, on something with. And it Whoa. could be that like you have, you know, you're a full on animator and they bring a story to you Whoa. and you bring it to life. It could be that you guys write a script together. It could be that you write the graphic novel and they adapt it whatever you want three um writer types of any medium that uh you would love to collaborate on something with living oh or dead gosh oh my gosh janet that's so good and that's so <laughs> difficult okay i know these are the Oof. fact that you have to respond to this stuff that feels life altering yeah. off the cuff <laughs> there's is no stakes such a cruelty Hector, relax. such a cruelty there's, of bash there's no stakes okay i will say um because he directed maybe my favorite movie of all time, I'm going to say Brad Bird Great. would be really cool. Yes. Um, the second one I'll say half because of the Marvel, half because of everything else that the guy has done, Taika Waititi, I'll say. Yes. I just saw, I got to go see Thor Love and Thunder again last night. And How dare you? I love the movie. It's very good. <laughs> I got to see it. I got to see it. I can't and, wait to see it. And the third one I'll say will be uh, uh, it's tempting. I'm, I, has anybody ever said Brian and Mike? Has anybody ever said that that, no. that Avatar answer? Mm-mm. I w- ah, I want to say it, but I'm also like 
I can't. I'm not. I, there's nothing I could add to that. Yep, I'm, I'm like, I'm I, putting it down no, right now. Uh, like, it's in pen. Sorry. It's in pen. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. It's there. Sure. It's there. Sure. It's there. Uh, next category. Speaking of like just talking about sort of skills and what you would like to bring to the table creatively, let's do three creative skills um, that you would love to have. If I could sort of download them into oh. download them matrix style, wake up oh. tomorrow and just be brilliant at something that you probably would normally have to practice a lot. Oh at. my gosh! Um, number one, playing piano. Great. Number two would be, man, a great creative skill. Um, wow. That I could, yeah, matrix download into my brain. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say martial arts. Great. <laughs> I would also love that. So I could wake up with those Tobey Maguire Spider-Man abs just uh-huh. like, what happened? Weird. Spidey and his abs are, <laughs> It's that's a hashtag life goals, but it is a little bit, there's part of me that's like, please don't give Spidey abs. Spidey's like the most like all of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he does hey, get those abs. It works either way. It's great yeah. if he has abs, but also yeah. dad bod Spidey maybe my favorite Spidey. That's, That's the true. best one. That's a very good point. <laughs> oh, that movie's so and good. The third creative uh, talent I would like to have would be um, God, there's so many different things. I Like, no, language isn't a creative talent. I'm like, I want, I want to know ASMR. No, not ASMR. No. <laughs> I could I could do ASMR. Let me see if I can help you. <laughs> oh, that's how you do it. I meant to say ASL, American yeah. Sign Language. Yeah, oh, um, I'll absolutely count that. ASL? Okay, cool. I mean, linguistics that. and language are yeah. so tied to the arts of a culture and like the whole the spirit of a culture. I think that's super creative. Um, great, great, great. Okay, next one. Three places in the world, whether you've been there or not, mm-hmm. that you imagine having another home uh, would be great. And we're going to pretend like we can teleport you there. So you don't have okay. to worry about like... New journey. York City. New York great. City, number one. Home great. of the Marvel Universe, New York. Um, number two would be... I have never been there, but I'm going to say Tokyo, Japan. Yeah. And number three would be, um, I want to pick something cool. I'm going to pick, ooh, I'm going to pick Madrid, Spain. Love it. No, you know what? I'm not going to pick Madrid, Spain. Forget about it. I'm going to pick a cooler place. I'm going (laughs) to pick, uh, I'm going to pick like Greece. Okay. Yeah. Great. A also beach great. Sorry, town. Madrid, but great. Yeah. Get out of here, España. <laughs> so ethari for that. Oh, no. <laughs> I still struggle with that lisp, and I feel like somehow that's racist. And I well, really he, don't mean if it makes be. you feel better, Janet. It's just not how I learn Spanish. I know. And so we, I, yes. no one was talking about that lisp mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And then all of a sudden, like in high school, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I start hearing about this accent that's a TH. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't get it. I can't mm-hmm. get there. But I understand that it's like part of the culture. That's shitty. It's it, you know no. If it makes you feel any better, it, it they're European. It's there's a weird beef between Mexicans and Spanish people. Oh, dude, don't even. You know, I you know. The, I know you know. The, the next time, the next time we are blessed to be in a room <laughs> with two of my other favorite people, Dante Bosco and Oscar Nunez, mm-hmm. make them tell each of their own stories about working with Antonio Banderas because they are <laughs> startlingly similar. Oh, great! In that he inevitably would end up being like. Of course, we colonized uh, both of you. We both saved. We saved both of your <laughs> oh like. Sa- we saved you. Oh and Oscar God. was like, "Antonio, what the fuck are you Antonio, saying to me right real now?" Real talk. Eric Bowser's <laughs> a better puss in boots. I said it. I said Damn. it. Damn. 
Damn. <laughs> Sorry, Tonio. Oh, amazing. That's okay. so funny. Final category. Let's do three items of media. Could be television series, could be comic book, could be okay. uh, film that you get to see again, but for the first time. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> what? I aim to please my friend. I will choose. <laughs> I will choose the TV show Lost is going to be one of right? them. I right, love that right, ending. Right. I love the ending. Controversial opinion. Very controversial. I love it. I think it's great. Um, I will choose the video game Shadow of the Colossus. Ooh, okay. And I will choose the film Everything Everywhere All at Once. Boom. Oh, damn. Good yes. one. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, wonderful. Okay. All right. Uh, give me a word that sort of, um, you know, l- l- describes your mood when you woke up this morning. My mood when I woke up this morning. Um, every morning. Overwhelmed. Great. Okay. I am going to use, I use this word to get to where you end up with all of these different categories, where you're where you're going to find yourself in this 100% guaranteed alternate universe smash future. Cool. Um, will you take this time to do a little vamping? We can always cut out if you oh, yeah. run out before I'm done. And tell people, I mean, listen, I've never been less worried about someone having stuff that they could tell people to check out. <laughs> give, um, me a, give me a topic. You have, Talk amongst you have... <laughs> yourselves. <laughs> tell people where they can find you, what they should be listening to, what they should check out. You got uh, it. How to keep up with you, all that stuff. I am vamping so my name is hector this has been so much fun i was very nervous to do this but janet is one of the best in the biz if not the best if not the best i'm on the internet doing stuff on youtube you can go to youtube.com slash heroes reforged to see me and two of my very best friends reacting to media talking about movies watching shows watching stuff and and talking about superheroes and star wars and all this other kind of thing i'm also on twitter and instagram at hector is funny where occasionally i am but most often i'm angry (laughs) (laughs) and just retweeting things that i think are hopefully helpful Uh. um you know that's what that's what Twitter is. Young people know this. That's young, know. young. I'm like learning. I'm like I, young my, people my aren't skin on Twitter. Is too thin. Me too, man. Me too. But I have, uh, uh, I like. I I, bec- I become more and more okay with going online, catching up with my notifications, seeing some important news, pushing forward something that I think could be helpful to people who need it, and then being like, okay, I need to walk away. I'm gonna Smart. go do something else today, and. I it's very it's always easy for me because I have a thousand lists in my head at all times to be yeah. like, what do I got to go catch up on? I got to go watch this cartoon show. I got to go finish this movie series. I got to read this book. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do, you know, once I once I can get through my work emails and everything, you know, oh, I have time today. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go run this errand. I got to go get a new phone today. Just yeah. like Chris Evans. My old phone is dying i gotta go replace it i had to do it. that in europe um which was get a fine new phone in europe Stressful. yeah because i i my it sh- like the screen shattered and it was to the oh. point where like it 
the screen was already cracked then it was cracked some more and then in Europe it got to the point where like the actual screen like everything underneath it was like past yeah. that it was like lines were showing up like Ugh. it was like the Technicolor like patterns where I... you're like oh this is over you, you and ever I did uh, it there but you, you ever um I always think about the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks that movie yeah. stays with me so much and one of yes. the things that freaks me out is that at the beginning of the film, he's having tooth problems and yeah. he's like, damn it, I got to make a dentist appointment, but what he's if? working and so busy. And then he what gets if? on the plane and when he crashes on a desert, deserted island, his tooth gets so bad that he has to take an ice skate from one of yep. these packets and like chunk it out. That yeah. freaks me out so much <laughs> that like, honestly, before like a trip or like, you know, you got to take I'm, care of biz. Yeah. I'm going to Europe later this year for a, for a wedding, for a friend's wedding. And I'm like, yeah, I need to get a new phone because just in case. Yeah. Something happens when you, when you're out of your element like that. Yeah. Well, I the good also, news yeah. is, I mean, at least if you have, I mean, I'm there's many things wrong with having Apple, but there's yeah. <laughs> it was very easy yeah. for me because I always back it up, and so I really could just go to the place in Strasbourg and like have a conversation and walk away with a phone, and then like that night I was like, oh, I have this phone now. Great. It's better than it used to be, yeah. and I found that a lot of the time. Like the last couple of times I've been to Europe, I'm like, oh, I'm holding on to anxieties that were much more foundational, like a few years before that, uh-huh. when it really was extremely hard to mm-hmm. like replace, like because the plugs are different okay. and the Janet, this and then that. And that's like- how it should be with technology. Because yeah. by the time we finally relent, I hate doing this. I hate updating any of my tech. But by yeah. the time we finally do, it will finally be caught up to actually being good. That's because right. we, we are used to it being so crappy that, right. you know, now if we finally walk into a store and we're like, oh, we have to do this. The person uh-huh. will go, here you go. Boop, boop, boop. And we're like, oh, <laughs> sweet. This is what <laughs> it should have been six right years ago. Exactly. Thank you. You're yeah. right. You're absolutely right. All right. Have we, are you curious? Yeah. You know what's yeah. going on in this Hectorverse? Yes. Okay. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your spectacular knowledge of all things martial arts. And I'm talking whatever <laughs> yes. style, whatever style it is, you know it. I wish people could Ooh. see how much Hector is gesturing. And I have to say, looking very good, looking like super legit. I think this is going to be handy because while I'm super excited for you and would be excited for you as a non-martial artist to hang out with Toph, I do <gasps> feel you'll get more respect from her Yes, an amazing martial artist. Cool, I cool, do feel cool. she will appreciate that. She'll want to like play around with that a little bit. You'll have a lot of fun. It's going to be very cool. So know that you have that ability. I like to think that you're in a safety bubble wherever you are if you're going into a movie um, anyway, mm-hmm. but... In this way, like, you could sort of decide whether you want to, like, get in and scuffle around a little bit with your fantastic martial arts as you experience the almost like wishing for more wishes three movies in one of being inside Avengers Endgame. You get to be in <laughs> get all of those feelings all over you. Um, so if you want to help out in that scenario with your martial arts, feel free. If you want to stay in the safety bubble, the second that The second that Captain America lifts Mjolnir, I'm doing a backflip. That's, That's what I want to yeah. hear. That's yep. what I want to Woo! hear. I also want to congratulate you on your uh, beautiful house in Greece. Oh, yes. So well done, you. Um, Most people don't necessarily think of Greece as being the place to get the perfect Philadelphia role in perpetuity. (laughs) I want you to know no matter where you are in the world, Mm. you're going to have that at the snap of your fingers with zero ramifications. However much you want, 
whenever you got that. That's I... the, it's the grossest sushi <laughs> in the most beautiful <laughs> place in the world that I could just picture like taking my little Vespa to some great hole in the wall sushi joint. And I walk yeah. in and they're like, oh, here's the dumb American. Here you go. Here's your fat, gross Philadelphia cheese roll. And I'm like, grazie. <laughs> You've gotten your, listen, first of all, you're speaking Italian. Second of all, you in a sushi place in Greece. Second of all, I think you need to realize this is a conjuring situation. No one oh, needs to it. know the shame of eating that Philadelphia roll. You snap your fingers, boom, it's there. Again, Just this is this magically is back, appears. back to my days of being a non-participating Jehovah's Witness in school. I'm like, yeah. no, it's fine. Please, it's uh-huh. fine. I'm bringing the shame. I'm making the scenario. No, I won't let it happen. I won't let it happen any further. You also have uh, the ability to re-see for the very first time everything everywhere all at once. Oh, awesome. I'm uh, very excited for you on that count. And I'm also very excited about, I mean, I'm so excited about both of these things. I had to save them for last. Uh, I'm very excited about this relationship you have with the age-appropriate version of Mary Jane. <laughs> Thank you. Um, transcending age, transcending all of that. Uh, there she is. Because that's the kind of person you want along for the ride. Yeah. I'll do respect to Heliveria Sherrod Stone. I think we've got the <laughs> companion that you want for all of these adventures. You don't want to leave that, that yeah. person behind. You're never yeah. going to get sick of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got that going. And I am perhaps most excited about your upcoming collaboration with Taika Waititi. Oh, yes. I four or five, baby. I got ideas. Both of your brains. I got ideas I'd for four or five. i to see yep. both of your brains yep. working on the same one thing. Yep. Yep. That yep. would be fabulous. It's going to be So great. that's what's going on, my friend. <laughs> that's what's going on for you. I'm glad I was able to make it happen. Wow. I was just the facilitator. I was. The, I channeled it all through myself, but ultimately it's you. You made this happen, and congratulations. Yeah. Pretty we great. We did it. Pretty All right. Great. I'm not going to ever, now I don't ever have to think we did something we didn't do again <laughs> because I have the answers to all of the pressing questions. Well, yeah, and, but I, I'll need some answers at some point. Next time we hang out, it'll probably be a out. podcast, I'm sure, but I would want to dive yeah. into Arizona and I'd want to dive into uh-huh. you being a theater kid, you but can't not help yourself. joining You're a person. other stuff. I am. Mm-hmm. I, I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. I mean, it. you can all listen. I want you to know there's almost 500 episodes of my podcast <laughs> okay. where I managed to insert myself into every conversation. Awesome. So yeah. it's a little piecemeal. And I know you got a lot of time on your hands because you're do. not busy, always busy, uh, <laughs> but it's already there for you. We can condense that into a Janet and Hector conversation if on I just, or offline. If I just stop using Twitter, I can get through those 500 episodes Great. really quick. Great. Really I'll make quick. some calls. We can be I'll so productive calls. if we're, as humans, are not on Twitter. We can be yeah. incredibly productive. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, Great. Now we have our goal. Now we have our goal. All right, my friend. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Oh, oh my gosh. I almost forgot. I continue to almost forget this every single time I do this. For my Boys of Summer series, if you think you know any of the lyrics to Don Henley's song, Boys of Summer, uh, I welcome you to... Try to come up with either the tune or the words or what you imagine the song might be if you have no idea what it is. Uh, I felt like when you emailed me that I was like, oh, yeah, Boys of Summer. Great. Like that song. But then, like, I couldn't think of the song. (laughs) And I just and I'm sure everybody says this, but I just keep coming back to Boys Are Back in Town. And I'm like, that is not the right (laughs) song. No one's ever said that. The Boys of Summer. The Boys of Summer. The Boys of Summer. No, that's not what it is. No, that's wonderful. I don't want anything else from you. You know why I love that song and why I have it on my iPod? 
Yeah. Because it was used in the marketing material for Toy Story 2. The oh, boys are back in go. town. Do you remember that? 1999? Yeah. Did they say the toys are back you in town? You know they the did. Yep. Do you remember? The commercials, the trailers, this summer, the toys yeah. are back. The boys <laughs> are back in town. Yeah. Got yeah. it. That was great. Um, I'm glad that you, that's what you had in your head. How does that's it go? I'm going to look it up later. I'm going to look, look it up, it up later. later, but okay. know that your rendition was uh, a wonderful mashup that it's brought me a lot of joy and has never happened before. It's a feel, that's a summer jam, you know? It's that's great. the feeling it's I get. It's a perfect summer jam. I love it. Uh, I adore you. You're wonderful. Everybody, thanks so much. I'll talk to you next week. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Hey, remember when we could save kittens from trees Or lunch on skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees Maybe we should Someplace new and build time machines to go and get us back. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.